0: So, Matt, there was this this Viking by the name of Rudolph the Red, and he's in his house with his wife one day and he looks outside and he says, it's going to rain. And she goes, well, how do you know this? And he goes, because Rudolph the Red knows rain, dear.
1: That was terrible. (laughs) That that was absolutely terrible. I could see that would come in a mile away. (laughs) Yeah. I knew by the look on your face
0: you knew what was happening. All right, let's get into this. Three, two, one. everybody and welcome to the Graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam and my name's Matt. Now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right Matt how you doing tonight? Man I'm doing all right. Yeah me too. Busy. I'm telling (laughs) you. Busier than a one-armed man with crabs. (laughs) Oh God! And and we know everybody else is busy, and it's the holiday season. Everybody's running around like heads with their chicken cut off, and we we just appreciate you taking the time to listen to us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, we don't uh, we enjoy being on uh, on your radio on your headphones. Um while you're out doing Christmas shopping instead of uh, all the annoying Christmas music that you've listened to.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. <'Cause> you've <laughs> I been... love
1: I love Christmas music, but after a while you're kinda like I'm I'm sitting there pumping gas today and I'm like Walking in the winter, you know, like good (laughs) night.
0: Yeah. Well, it's because you've been hearing it since October fifteenth. That's right. It's been running into the ground every store since the fifth. And that's the thing. I don't, in general, hate Christmas music.
1: No, I I hate
0: hearing it all the time, though. Yeah. And that's all I've heard for months now. So, if they would just play it in December, I'd be fine. Yeah. But we get. Two bonus months that I don't need. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, while we're talking about Christmas shopping and all that, um, if you want to send us something, we have a PO box. That's right. Um, I'll put the PO box address in the show notes, and it's also on our website. Um, I would rattle it off to you now, but I think I've forgotten it. It's nine four one. So I don't know. <laughs> it uh, look in the look in the show notes and. That's where I keep my brain is in the show notes, so go there and find that, and if you want to mail us something, mail it to us, and we'll talk about it on one of the episodes.
1: Yeah, haunted now, haunted Christmas doll.
0: Yeah, don't don't send this that crap. They said it's a haunted fruitcake. I do have a storage unit that that crap will have to go to if uh, we need yeah. to. It, it's away from the house. So, Matt, I tweeted about this today, but I needed to talk about it. Because I needed, I'm putting this as like the poor man's copyright. I'm going to mail this episode to myself so that it's copyrighted. Um, so this whole thing, remember, TM. I've tm this thing. Um, so because I eat more cereal than any adult should. Um, <laughs> okay. I've got an idea for a, a branch off podcast that we can do in the Graveyard Universe. And we discuss cereals. We... Uh, rate different cereals, flavors, uh, you know, brands like General Mills and all this. And I want to title it Cereal. <laughs> it's brilliant. I, I think just the well, name will sell it. Why aren't there just dozens of these already? I don't understand it either. <laughs> That's why I say TM, TM, TM here. Um, this this is, if if you steal my idea, I'm not going to take any legal action, but I'm going to be very disappointed in you. And I'm going to curse your name every night, just so to, you know.
1: To me, that's the equivalent of somebody coming by and stealing your lawn clipping. You know? <laughs> Why? What do, you, a, what do you
0: want to do with this? A, I think this is a good idea. Cereal, but with a C. You know? <laughs> we'll catch all the people that accidentally spell cereal wrong when they're looking for the... The more popular show. Oh man, I thought this
1: was like a big legal thing.
0: It's about about actual cereal. This was supposed to be true crime, and I got these two goobers talking about Cocoa Puffs. I don't understand. (laughs) So if you see cereal pop up in the Graveyard Universe, you'll know why. (laughs) Um, A little bit more serious stuff. We are dark next week, but we will be back on the 28th with our holiday episode.
1: That's right. Our Christmas episode is going to air after Christmas, and we didn't plan it that way, but uh, it just—just just trust me, it has to be that way.
0: Yeah, it has to happen. Um, legal stuff. Matt right. Matt has legal issues with the courts, and <laughs> so we we got to do it that way.
1: I'm I'm not permitted to work. Yeah, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> the week between Christmas and
0: New Year's, right. All right, so let's take a quick break and talk about this week's sponsor, and we'll be right back at it.
1: Hey, Adam, how's that uh, Robinhood app working out for you? Actually, it's awesome.
0: Now, as you and I know, I am not somebody who is into the stock market normally because it confuses me. Like, I don't understand the trends. I don't know how to purchase or anything like that. But Robinhood, it's real simple. You log in, give them your information that you need, and all of it's right there in front of you. You can see the trending stocks, and if you want to buy something, you just click it and swipe up to confirm. And you can do all this from your phone. You can do all this from your phone, and you can do it all in just minutes. It's like incredible. I'm not... A stock market mogul, but I think I could be with this because it's—I mean, it's actually kind of addicting now, which is amazing because I didn't think I would ever understand it, but it really does help you understand
1: it. Man, that's really cool. And you know, I know that Robin Hood is free. There's no commission fees, right? Um, the the money that you put into is your money and you get all the profits because other brokerage companies can charge up to $10 for every trade. But with Robinhood, you get to keep all your profits.
0: It's awesome.
1: And it's really easy to understand. They have charts and market data. And as Adam said, you can place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone and you can learn to invest as you build your portfolio.
0: That's right. And Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio when you sign up with them. So take advantage of that. Sign up at graveyard.robinhood.com. Again, go to graveyard.robinhood.com and get your free stock today. All right, we're back, Matt. What are we talking about tonight?
1: Okay, so tonight uh, we're going to get into some more Native American folklore, which to me is is fascinating.
0: Oh yeah, me too.
1: And you know, being from Tennessee, there's just there's so much rich Native American history here. So Native American folklore speaks of giant birds who soared above the earth. Tribes revered them, they honored them in paintings and in sculpture, and in many cases, feared them. The Thunderbird is one of the most well-known images in Native American art, adorning clothing, weapons, caves, and totems. Now, these giant birds were said to create thunder from the flapping of their wings, and they shot lightning bolts down into the seas. Such a supernatural beast had to be just the talk of legend, right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. You know, something like this couldn't really exist. Or could it? Could these giant birds really have lived with or without the ability to harness the power of the storm? And could a bird of this size still roam the skies today? So tonight, Adam and I are going to discuss the legend and possible existence of the Thunderbird. Nice.
0: (laughs) I act like like, it's a surprise. You like that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I worked hard on that. That's what we're talking about? I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were
0: talking about the cars. That's
1: right. See, you know, I'm trying to up my game (laughs) a little bit
0: here. All right. So, (laughs) So
1: Adam, you know, (laughs) tell us, tell us, Adam. What, what is the Thunderbird? All right. So like
0: Matt said, we got uh, an Apple phone going off here.
1: Siri is trying to tell me what a Thunderbird is.
0: Yeah. So Siri, shut up. We've got this.
1: You can mute your phone, but you can't mute her. I, how does that work? I don't know. My
0: phone's done that while we're recording, too. And yeah. I can't shut her up. No. And that's the most important thing is shutting her butt up. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so. What is the Thunderbird? Like Matt said, the Thunderbird is a mythological creature. There's two, two sections of Thunderbirds that we'll talk about tonight. Yeah. The first one we're going to discuss is a mythological creature that appears in Native American legends. And there are numerous, hundreds of stories about the Thunderbird. Um, it's often assumed that the Thunderbird is a protector uh, but a lot of times, this creature can also be forced to punish people with low moral integrity. So, uh, according to many legends, the thunderbird is so large that one feather from their wingspan would have to be folded in half to properly fit into a quiver. So, in order to get it in that thing that holds your arrows and on your back, you'd have to fold this thing in half because the, that the feather is that big. Um. It's also said that these creatures were so large and so strong that they could easily carry a whale in their talons. A whale. A whale. So think about what kind of big old bird that would be. Um, Many legends also reference the anger of Thunderbirds as something to be feared um, and should be avoided at all cost uh, because a Thunderbird is known to have harsh punishments for people who have done wrong, and it's even said to have turned an entire village to stone for wrongdoings. So we can already see that there is a lot of godlike attributes that have been given to the Thunderbird. Um, and, and Matt will get into a legend of why here in a second. Um, but... Another myth states that the Thunderbird was so large and flew so high that it could carry the rain on its back and it created thunder and lightning. Now, the Thunderbird was also known to give life by nurturing the life forms on earth and giving them the necessary rains to survive. But these, again, these creatures could destroy the earth with winds, floods, droughts, and fires that are caused by its lightning. Now, it's thought to be the physical embodiment of the elements, as well as noble spirits that would protect humans from evil. And there are a lot of legends that claim the Thunderbird has distant relatives that are still alive today in the human race. Um, It's widespread, the myth of the Thunderbird is widespread through America and Canada. So all of North America, and, which we'll touch on a little bit later in the episode, these legends of large birds are worldwide. They're all over, not just relegated to North America.
1: Yeah, the idea of what... What we in the United States know as the Thunderbird is the North American, Native American legend, image, art. That's what we understand as the Thunderbird. But, I mean, all over the world, there are legends of these enormous birds that were either protectors or embodiments of, of gods or spirits or or even just you know enormous predators right you know that 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 preyed on humans
0: right and you know from north america to europe to asia to africa everywhere and depending on the version of this legend a thunderbird could either be one single entity or could constitute a whole race of peoples so it could be one Thunderbird that controls the Earth, or it could be like a breeding population of Thunderbirds. And it shows the power that these legends have that we are still discussing this today because it, it, people believed wholeheartedly in the Thunderbirds as being mythological beast from the gods or of the gods. And Matt has one of probably the most popular legends about the Thunderbirds.
1: Right. And so this legend and and there are there are many variations, but this legend comes from the Ojibwe tribe. So it goes like this. The creator decided that the earth was in peril because of the negative way people had come to treat each other. The people were frightened and began to pray. Meghizi, the eagle, heard the prayers, and he came to the people and said, I will go to the Creator's world and speak to Him on your behalf and ask Him not to destroy the world. The people were so grateful, but they said, Meghizi, you must fly to the other side of the sun to reach the Creator's world. You cannot. You will burn up. So Magezi knew, according to Ojibwe tree, uh, teaching, if you do a good deed far greater than yourself, you will be protected. So one day, Magezi took off, and the people cheered as they saw him disappear into the sky. But soon, without any word from Meghizi, the people were convinced that he had flown too close to the sun and died. But Magezi did not die, and after a long journey, he made it to the Creator's world. And when he landed, he heard the booming voice of the Creator say, Who has landed in my world? Meghizi said, It is I, Magezi, the eagle. What do you wish, Meghizi? the Creator said. McGeezy spoke, I came on behalf of the people to ask you not to destroy the earth. The people are not all bad. Please spare them. The creator asked, What would you have me do, McGeezy? McGeezy thought, Send them teachers, he said. Show them how to live in harmony with one another and with the earth. The creator was pleased with this suggestion and praised McGeezy for his bravery, and risking his life for the people of the earth. You will be my first messenger, Meghizi, the Creator said. Go and teach the people to live in harmony, and more messengers will follow you, but you will be the first. So Magezi returned to the people and told them the Creator's message, to respect one another, to respect the plants and the earth and the animals and the life that they bring. The eagle would serve as the visible messenger of the creator, but he carried the power of the Thunderbird. So, this legend speaks to the Ojibwe tribe honoring the eagle as a symbol of the creator's messenger.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, according to the teller, Of this legend. The eagle was. As Adam said. The embodiment. Of of the word of the creator. It was the visible messenger. And that's key. The visible messenger. But the eagle had the power to become. The supernatural. Thunderbird. Right. Which according to the legend. Was not. The visible messenger eagle it was much much more than that right and because of the way that eagles fly because of their size and their wingspan and the height that they can reach they are birds that will travel on storms Mm -hmm. and to see an eagle fly that high and have a storm coming in behind it you can see the idea that the eagle has become the Thunderbird. Sure. You know, it's, and it's more so than just, it. it's, it's bringing the power of the storm, but with the storm comes rebirth and life. Mm-hmm. Because have you ever noticed how, when, when lightning strikes, you know, when after a storm, how green the grass is, how fresh everything smells. Well, imagine if you're, uh, you know, a native american in you know the 171800s and you don't have all the pollution you right. know all, all the all the industry around you how much you know a big storm coming through would would, would refresh the land would you know replenish the crops and so forth so as, as far as the Ojibwe tribe goes the thunderbird was a a protector a bringer of life and and meant to be revered and respected,
0: and it's not just the Ojibwe tribe because as we were talking, all Native American tribes had similar legends. Right, um, I know the the Tlingit tribe in Alaska had a similar thought that the bald eagle was transformed into the thunderbird, and they believe that the bald eagle, because of like you said, how high it flies, it could touch the face of the creator, thus being one of the creator's favorites. So it got the distinction of becoming the thunderbird. But when we nowadays hear thunderbird, we, well, most people probably go to the car. <laughs> or yeah, that's the, what I was thinking. Or the guitar, or whatever, or the band The Fabulous Thunderbirds. But weed through all that pop culture, and (laughs) you find the the cryptozoological definition of the Thunderbird. And this is what we get stories of today that we have. um, It's a giant living bird of mammoth proportions ginormous bird and we've collected probably well we had a whole pile of these sightings but we weeded it down to some of the easier to to digest and some of the more recent ones yeah because they these stories of thunderbird sightings i mean they span time there's prehistory to, you know, early settlements in the United States to all the way up to this year. Um, so we picked some of the ones that we kind of thought were our favorites.
1: And, you know, I can remember being a kid and, and seeing this really big bird. You know, it was really bright colored. It was like yellow and orange. It hung out with this big furry elephant and this green dude that lived in a trash can but it was
0: you're either a really talking,
1: big burst.
0: You're either talking <laughs> Sesame Street or one of those helpers we talked about from last episode. <laughs> I'm not sure what you uh, mean.
1: But, you know, all joking aside, as we go into these sightings, um, we're kind of we're separating the legend from the possibility of fact. But I want you to keep one One thing in mind, could this have been Native American legend about an actual bird, say an eagle, that existed explaining natural phenomena? Or is this evidence of a true giant bird that really existed? And was witnessed by Native American tribes who knew that it was different. It was much larger than all the other birds. It could be dangerous. It could be it, it could be spiritual. You know, it's it's unlike any other bird that we know. And here's this enormous creature flying above us. You know, should we be afraid of it? Should we worship it? You know, so just keep that in the back of your head. I mean, we don't know exactly what they were they were seeing or what was alive then, but some of these sightings will make you think maybe there was a giant bird it is maybe there is a giant <laughs> bird. Maybe <laughs> you know, you 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 don't really know, but there is some compelling evidence that not only did giant, giant birds exist, that they possibly exist today.
0: Right. So the first one we'll get to is from Pennsylvania, May 26, 2013. And these are a few just short sightings before we get into some of the more detailed ones. There were two friends that were walking through the woods near Bryn Athen Castle, and were startled by something extraordinary. It was extremely loud, and I glanced up and saw a huge black bird. Anthony said in his report, It was sitting above us, and we seemed to startle it. It flew about a 100 feet to a nearby branch. Its wingspan was at least 10 feet, and judging by how far it was, looked to be around 4 feet tall. So. One quick sighting of a four-foot-tall bird with a 10-foot wingspan. That's like a fourth grader with wings. Exactly. So keep that in mind. Keep all these dimensions in your head as we go, because we'll get kind of more into that later on. Now, on the evening of Tuesday, September twenty-fifth, two 2001, a 19-year-old claimed to have seen an enormous winged creature flying over Route 119 in South Greensburg, Pennsylvania. The witness's attention was drawn to the sky by a sound that resembled flags flapping in a thunderstorm. Looking up, the witness saw what appeared to be a bird that had a wingspan of an estimated 10 to 15 feet and a head about 3 feet long. The witness told researcher Dennis Smeltzer that the huge black or grayish brown bird passed overhead at about 50 to 60 feet. I wouldn't say it was flapping its wings gracefully, the witness told Smeltzer, but almost horrifically flapping its wings.
1: (laughs) Horrifically flapping.
0: Yep. In this very slow and then kind of gliding above the passing big rig trucks that were underneath. So it was not like you would see smaller birds where it's just flap, 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 flap. flap. Mm -hmm. These were the big woof. Oof, of these real big wings as it kind of just soared overhead
1: kind of like you see uh hawks or eagles fly
0: yeah when they catch a jet stream uh-huh. or something yeah yeah,
1: they're they're not you don't you don't see them flap like crazy like you would like a robin or something
0: yeah yeah this isn't a little sparrow flapping yeah. frantically hummingbird yeah yeah so on june 13th 2001 a resident of Greenville, Pennsylvania. Notice we're still in Pennsylvania. I know. Now. Uh, it was startled by the great size of the grayish black creature seen soaring overhead. At first thinking it was a small airplane or an ultralight aircraft, the witness observed the bird for at least 20 minutes, clearly seeing its fully feathered body and estimating its wingspan to be about 15 feet and its body length at about 5 feet. The bird, too, was seen to perch on a tree for at least 15 minutes before taking to the air again and flying off toward the south. A neighbor of this witness claimed to have seen the creature the next day, describing it as, The biggest bird I ever saw. Less than one month later, on July 6th, a witness in Erie, Erie County, Pennsylvania, reported a very similar sighting, according to a article in the 14 Times Magazine. Again, the creature's wingspan was about 15 to 17 feet, and it was described as this dark gray with little or no neck and a circle of black under its head. Its beak was very thin and long and about a foot in length.
1: Golly.
0: So. Footlong beak. Footlong beak. Then if you've got a footlong beak, that is a big bird. Oh, yeah. That is a big bird. But keep in mind the detail here of the circle of black underneath its head.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll, we'll get into ring necks here in a minute, and I don't mean mats.
1: <laughs> he might ring my neck for the big
0: bird story. <laughs> right. I'm still not over that one yet. Still... <laughs> so. This next one hits a little close to home. This is from Columbia, Tennessee. Now, this happened October 28th of this year. A man in Maury County says he saw an unidentified bird that he believes could be a thunderbird. Now, 43-year-old teacher L. Broyles told Cryptozoology News that he was driving when he saw this animal. It was light brown with the wingspan of about 10 to 12 feet, he said. Broyles claims the sighting lasted about a minute and that he has never seen anything like it before. He adds that the bird was feathered but did not mention that it had any feathers on its head or near its beak. So, giant bird, kind of bald-looking head. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Y'all just keep remembering all these descriptions that we're going through because you'll see why here toward the (laughs) end of this episode. Now, July 2015, two people in Nevada reported seeing a creature that reminded them of a pterosaur, which is a flying reptile, that supposedly went extinct about 65 million years ago. But two weeks later, a minister and her daughter said they had seen an unidentified flying creature that looked like it was straight out of Jurassic Park. So we have two witnesses in, or two sets of witnesses, in July of 2015 in Nevada, that seen, that saw what they thought was a pterosaur. That's been dead for a long time.
1: Long time. And, you know, I'm thinking, all right, so... If it couldn't be been a pterosaur, it was probably a thunderbird or a dragon. <laughs> right.
0: Which we've covered one of That's those already.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I would say thunderbird and dragon seem more plausible than,
0: than, a, pterosaur, than a pterosaur, right? <laughs> Still alive today. Uh,
1: yeah, that nobody knows about. Right. I mean, we're not, you know, we've talked about that. It, it, it seems like with so many of these. These creatures, these mysterious creatures, everything reverts back to, oh, it's a leftover prehistoric, you know, dinosaur type creature.
0: A living relic, as they say. Yeah,
1: You know, I'm like, now look, I can can almost, almost but not quite get behind the idea that one managed to live under the water undetected for millions of years. But one flying around, I don't know about Mm -hmm. that, you know. Well,
0: Matt, we'll... I'm gonna force you to do an episode that's gonna stretch your thinking on that. Then, because oh, I have glad a, you I, said thinking. Yeah. Now, when that's that's gonna be on the serial epi, the serial <laughs> show when we do the other stretching. Uh, some of y'all may know what I'm talking about in alluding to context clues and all that, but I'm not gonna tell Matt just yet. I'm not gonna tell y'all just yet. But I have one in the can. I want to talk to you about. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm scared. You should be
1: um,
0: now in California, a man in Sacramento County said that he saw an unidentified winged creature. Now, 74 year old uh, doctor is what he's called in this thing. I guess he wants to remain he's anonymous. Yes, we'll call him doctor. So 74 year old Daryl Rufus. Told CryptoZoology News, uh I just made those names. That's I was not his say, name. <laughs>
1: Wait, do we have the guy's name?
0: No, that, that uh, just just in, this just in, I got a phone call. His name is Daryl Rufus. Daryl Rufus. Um I bought it. He told CryptoZoology News that he was driving on State Route sixteen near Ranchero Muerita uh when the incident took place on the night of july fifteenth. Now it was around 11:45 p.m. and he said I was driving home from a performance uh, where he was playing piano in Fiddletown near Plymouth. Now the Californian claims that he was driving at around 65 miles per hour when the huge bird showed up. It swooped down from my left and leveled off in front of my vehicle and flew along in front of me about 20 to 30 feet in front of me. I instinctively hit the brakes when this object appeared in front of the car. Um, He didn't specify who the other person was in the car. He just said our car. So the man described that the creature was like 30 feet wide black bird with features similar to those of a hawk. The wingspan covered the width of the two lane highway. Its wings seemed to undulate because of its huge size. The animal, he said, continued to fly at around 10 feet off the highway and then lifted off to the right and out of sight. Now, here's one of the issues I have. Most birds, most, don't fly around at night. Right. Most birds roost at night. That's right. So. Because are...
1: I remember having this discussion with the kids. Mm-hmm. Daddy, look at those birds up there by the lights. Those aren't birds. But
0: they're flying, (laughs) Dad. Right. Those are birds. They're flying, Dad.
1: They're not birds. (laughs) Did I have to go? They're bats.
0: Those are sky (laughs) rats. Yeah, those are sky
1: rats. (laughs) Yeah, birds typically don't fly around at night Mm -hmm. unless you're an owl. Right. (laughs) Most birds don't. And, and, And owls don't flap around in groups around light. So, and, but I, you know, yeah, you're right. Most birds don't fly. Around and I haven't
0: night. seen a 30 foot wide owl, you no. know,
1: but so if, so now we've gone full circle. Now, right. now the Thunderbird is just an owl. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. It's always Everything an owl. Everything is an owl.
0: Why is it always an owl? <laughs> Good Lord. So, um, it, it's always, it always goes back to the owl <laughs> for heaven's sake, Matt, um, so, if this is a legitimate living creature yeah. that this guy's not lying about, then we have maybe a reason that they're not seeing that often. Maybe it's another nocturnal bird. Could be. And that would explain why we don't see it that often. And it doesn't fit the habits of most birds of prey. You know, again, barring our nemesis, the owl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most birds of prey hunt with eyesight, so they're out during the day. Um. Now we've got a, a this kind of weird one from history here that Matt and I both ran across, and we want to talk about it real quick. It's real short. April twenty sixth of eighteen ninety. This is what was printed in the Tombstone Epitaph, and it published this article about six gunslingers shooting the Tombstone Thunderbird right out of the sky. Now, when you look this up, you look up the Tombstone Thunderbird online, you see this picture, and this picture actually shows about 10 men holding what looks like a pterodactyl Wings spread out, holding the head up, and all that. But this picture is a recreation because there is no original pick. They can't find the original picture. And the Library of Congress actually has this issue from April 26, 1890, on file, but there is no photo attached to that original printing. So we don't know what the original photo was, but it's rumored that there was a picture taken. Yeah. And that it is out there. So if you happen to be looking through your great grandparents <laughs> photos and you yeah. come across a photo
1: <laughs> looks like six cowboys holding a pterodactyl.
0: Exactly. That's labeled <laughs> tombstone, please use our P.O. box and send us a copy of
1: yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. We want we want to see that. Yeah. You can go and look at the the recreation i mean you can you can find you can find images that you just know this is you're not looking at the original
0: right it it you it's a compelling photo oh yeah you know it, if you didn't know that that was a recreation you would think holy crap that's an 1890s photo yeah it it looks
1: legitimate so um investigator vance nesbitt photographed what he described as an enormous bird in St. Charles, Illinois. Now, you see, Illinois is going to come up again, too, just like Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So these things have, like, areas that seems, they're, they're more common.
0: Yeah, it seems like a migratory
1: pattern, man. Yeah. So uh, Nesbitt was outside of his place of employment when he noticed this large animal. And he said in this email to Lon Stricker of Phantoms and Monsters, as a standard routine for the company that employs me, Lunchtime is usually 12 to 12:45 p.m. My job description however puts me on the road for logistics portion of the business during these hours. With the upcoming Easter holiday, schedules have changed with some clients of ours and I happen to be at the home office in St. Charles during the lunch break. I was outside the building at 12:30 p.m. or very close to that time by myself. I know by habit that my friend and coworker Bill comes out to have a smoke around that time. I was facing south leaning against the tall guardrail in the driveway when my attention was grabbed from the top of my eye. It took a moment to figure out what I was looking at and soon realized it was a bird. It had circled once in a huge diameter and before it were to head out of the v- or head out of view. This thing was enormous. I say that by the speed in which it circled seemed so slow and it moved like a circling airplane with no wing flap. I literally ran to my desk from outside, which is only 10 feet from the outside door, to get my phone in hope of getting some, some sort of picture. I ran back out and now I began to shake as to what I'm seeing. Just then, Bill came outside and said, what? Since he saw me scanning the sky with my phone on camera mode. It only took him a second to see it too. This thing was flying over our heads at about 900 to 1,000 feet up. I have spent 13 years in the aviation business, and it's a habit to identify planes by nature. For the business that Bill and myself do for a living, we both have a great sense of movement and judgment for distance. I said out loud that the wingspan of this creature was at least 8 feet, and I compared it to the length of a horse or and or a cow, but was wowed by it, Bill was wild by it, as I was too. I mentioned before that I was shaking from excitement and sh- and shock, I think while trying to capture these photos. I have to say, while all this took place in less than a minute, including me running in for my phone, we were both left saying, WTF. That was freaking huge. Hey. I'm pretty well versed in the large bird variety around northern Illinois. St. Charles is 30 miles due west of Chicago. Sandhill cranes are in migration right now, and most all cranes fly in groups. As a matter of fact, I've never seen one solo in flight or on the ground. Herons and egrets are more visible now with warmer weather coming, as well as the turkey vultures. I know for certain that this creature we saw was at least double in size to the sandhills and would dwarf a vulture. I should include that I have seen a number of bald eagles here too on the Fox River, which runs through St. Charles. Again, whatever we saw was so much bigger and traveled what seemed so slow from south to north. The wings showed no typical fingers on the tips, as the other birds mentioned have, and I found that to be odd. The body and wings were a solid black in color. It was very uniformed. I did feel strongly, however, that this this being was a bird and not a flying humanoid. Funny thing, I'm still shaking while writing this. I'd be really interested in facts and not exploited stories about what this creature is. I'm unaware of any wingspan larger than a crane in North America. I wouldn't rule out a condor. However, the long, thin legs trailing behind made this all the more odd. So Nesbitt's describing what looks like a mixture of several different large birds right but you know exhibited habits or other features that didn't fit so you know it had characteristics of a heron with long legs but it wasn't in a group you know and he's not ever seen one alone right it was much too large to be a turkey vulture you know and you know the typical you know when he's talking about the fingers on the wings i believe what he's referring to is when the wings are fanned out, some of those large birds you can actually see individual feathers. The wing is not smooth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a serrated appearance. So it kind of looks like fingers. Right. Um, you know it's it's you know, it's a it's a strange story, but it's a it's a compelling one because of the credibility of the witness.
0: Right. And he he wrote Lon Strickler, and if you don't know who Lon Strickler is, he's a like cryptozoologist that he dives into and researches cryptozoology and paranormal and all that kind of stuff. So if you don't know who he is, go look him up. You'll like him.
1: Yeah. So could some of these stories be, you know, explained other ways? You know, I'm sure, but you know, not all of them. I mean, everybody has seen something and Adam and I were discussing this, um, prior to recording, because of the studies that people have done on our ability as humans to judge size based on the distance from the object, Mm -hmm. if you don't have a point of reference, it becomes extremely difficult to near impossible to accurately estimate the size, especially if that object is above you, you know, flying around.
0: Right. Yeah. If you don't have, if it's not sitting in a tree to show scale, right. it's near impossible.
1: Yeah. And, you know, much like, you know, creatures that have been reported being seen underwater, um, you know, when you're down on the ground and you're looking up and you've got the sun and and, and no point of reference, you know, even an average sized bird could seem much, much larger to you. Right. Um, but you know, the way Nesbitt explains this, I'm not sure that he that's what he's seeing. You know, he's he seems familiar enough about the local, you know, wildlife to have recognized those other types of birds. So even if he's seeing, you know, a, a, just just a bird, you know, he, he's seeing a bird that he's never seen before. Right. And and is unaware of.
0: So it could be even just a new species could be, you know, or,
1: and we're going to talk about that in a little bit too, about, you know, the possibility of there being an unidentified species of bird in the United States.
0: mm -hmm. Um, so we got an article by Micah Hanks. And again, if, uh, we've got a lot of articles by people that if you like our brand of paranormal and cryptozoology stuff, you'll like these people too. Um, Micah Hanks has his own podcast and writes a bunch of articles. So he knows this stuff. And he wrote an article about Thunderbird scene in Alaska in 2018. And Mike is one of those guys that we need to become friends with. So if y'all know Micah out there, tell him he needs to, he needs to become <laughs> friends with the graveyard. But, buddy up with us. Yeah. Um, he, I, I want to sit down and pick his brain. Um, but this is one of his articles. So he said, January 16th, a report appeared on the Facebook page of the Juno Community Collective. The witness, Tabitha Bauer, described seeing the large bird as she approached a movie theater in her community. She said, I was driving by the movie theater in the valley and there was a huge black bird flying above the road. The wingspan had to be at least 20 feet. It was almost as wide as the road. I have lived here all my life and have never seen anything like that it freaked me out. It was not a raven or an eagle. This isn't a joke. This is a huge, almost the size of a small airplane bird. Did anyone else see it? Bauer later told the Juno Empire she, uh, that there had been raindrops on her windshield and that as she turned on the wiper, she noticed the large bird above her car, judging that the wingspan was roughly that of the highway. Slowing down to observe the animal, she judged that it was flying in the direction of the nearby Mindenhall Glacier and that it was the biggest thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. It was very concerning. I've never seen anything like that. Now, the incident occurred just before sunset at around 4 p.m. local time. Now, back in October of 2012, residents of the Alaskan towns of Togiak, and Manakotak, and I hope I said those right, were report, reporting sightings of a bird said to be the size of a small otter plane. Witnesses judged that it had a 14 foot wingspan and was not the kind of bird you want flying around if you have small children outdoors. John Bowker, a pilot who had been skeptical of the reports, eventually saw the massive bird himself. The other people in the plane also saw him, he told the Anchorage Daily News. The bird is huge. He's huge. He's really, really big. You wouldn't want to have your children out. So We've got two people that have mentioned, (laughs) don't have your kids out and about. Yeah. And we'll get to that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now, hey, now, you know, there have been reports of, you know, hawks being large enough to carry off a small dog. Yeah. You know, a, a small chihuahua or a poodle. I actually saw that swoop down and snag and it's gone.
0: Yep. At my uh, old apartment here in Tennessee, I had uh, my dog that passed away earlier this year, Ellie out in the the field that was there by the apartment. And she was standing beside me. And this other lady was walking her small like men pen or something out in the field on a leash. And out of nowhere, a bird, probably a red tail hawk, swooped down and went for the men pin. Didn't grab it, but it dive bombed that dog and then took back off. That lady freaked out, screaming, picked the dog up, took off running back toward the house and yelling at me to get my dog in because she's a Jack Russell. And I say, like, you don't know Jack Russell's. She'll kick that bird's butt. <laughs> but I've seen a the red tail hawk go after a small dog and i I guess at the last minute realized it was too big and flew off but it was gonna take it
1: oh yeah i mean and red-tailed hawks can get pretty big Mm -hmm. i I have i have seen them sitting on like road signs yeah and it's a weird sight i mean you, you know you're used to seeing you know small birds perched on power lines and you know things like that and then you come you come driving by and there's this, you know, there's a red tail hawk that's like, you know, a foot tall standing up over the, right. the edge of the side. Right. Like, Whoa, that's yeah. disconcerting. So imagine, you know, so even seeing a bird that has a size of three to four feet, you know, which is, you know, estimated in some of these sightings. Right. You know, with, with that, with a wingspan to match, you know. And now we're, we're talking about Thunderbirds being, you know, twice that size.
0: Yeah. 15, 25 foot wingspan.
1: Yeah. So y- y- you can imagine the, the, the fear that you would feel if you saw something that large that was able to fly. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that more too. Right. Okay. So if, if seeing a bird that size is, is that scary? Do humans really have anything to be afraid of? I mean, even from a even from a big bird, even from a, a a giant bird of prey. Well, Native Americans thought you did, and there's scientific evidence that maybe we should have been afraid, and and maybe we're kind of, we've kind of got good reason to be afraid of of a large flying predator. Mm-hmm. So, what bird would attack a human? Scientists will say that, you know, eagles and hawks typically won't attack humans. It's not in their nature to attack prey that's larger than them. Mm-hmm. You know, and since, you know, especially eagles' nests are so high up, humans aren't usually getting close enough for an eagle to be protective of a nest. Um, but there is a bird that researchers believe would attack a human being and possibly did, you know, in the past. The African crowned eagle has been known to attack primates. Now, the crowned eagle is found along the Ivory Coast in South Africa. And it's royalty. And it's royalty. <laughs> I mean, you know, it where's that crown? I mean. I- so scientists have studied. Um. The bones found just below the nest of the crown eagle and have determined them to be monkey bones. So, these monkey bones were studied by researcher Scott McGraw, who is a, a researcher at Ohio State University. And he studied these things. He actually went to South Africa to study these primate bones and. You know, this is what he found. So, the crowned eagle typically they'll strike hard with a talon, making a killing blow to the head, then begin to rip their prey apart, carrying it piecemeal back to their nests. Oftentimes, they will pick out the eyes and consume the eyes, and even peck down through the eye socket into the brain.
0: Yummy. Yeah.
1: So, he published his study in 2006, and it states that African-crowned eagles routinely kill primates as large as 20 pounds. Pretty big primate. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big monkey, okay? Um, but roughly the size of a child.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so, you know, to, to a large predatory bird... You know, a a 20-pound child and a 20-pound monkey probably both look like lunch.
0: Yep. Okay. Both taste about the same.
1: That's right. Now, along with his findings, research determined that a fossil found in the 1920s of a young predecessor to Homo sapiens, this was found in Tong, South Africa, could have been due to a, it could have been killed due to a crowned eagle attack. Now, previously, it had been believed because of the markings on the skull that it was killed by a large saber toothed cat. Okay.
0: Right. Because it had that one yeah. big puncture hole. That's right.
1: So the skull had a large puncture right in the top. And so they believed that that would have been the tooth from, you know, a saber toothed cat. But. You know, if you believe that, a and scientists do believe that, you know, a saber-toothed cat would, would hunt and kill much like, you know, a modern-day predatory cat. You know, a single puncture wound is probably not what you're going to find on a skull. Right. Okay? It's probably going to, you know, be chewed up. Even if it attacked the head at all, it would more likely attack the neck.
0: Right. I was going to say, it'll probably you'd find those puncture wounds like on the back, maybe, right. of the not skull. From not from the top. Right.
1: Okay. So based on McGraw's findings, it, it's believed that the skull, the hole in the skull of what they estimate to be you know, a three to four year old, was from the killing blow of a 14 centimeter long talon.
0: Good now, Brief.
1: When they further studied the skull, they found what they called keyhole openings, which basically is like a, a puncture. But then there's evidence that whatever went through was hooked and turned inside mm-hmm. um, to access the brain and then eat the brain. Much like, you know, the eagle would use his long curved beak. Right. You know, so. Now we have at least scientific evidence that says there's a predatory bird that would attack a human, a small human, right? but a human nonetheless, and, and routinely attacks primates, you know, in the modern day. Mm-hmm. So if there was a predatory bird that attacked prehistoric man, scientists believe now that Maybe humans are hardwired to have a fear of a flying predator.
0: Right. Genetic memory.
1: You got it. So if our ancestors had to be worried about not just predators on the ground, but predators in the air, you know, we would develop this this instinctive fear to be aware of death from above, so to
0: speak. Mm-hmm. And as you and I were talking before, um, before we started recording, that's why a lot of people, um, if they're not used to being in the woods, if they go into the woods, they get that kind of uneasy feeling because there could be stuff up above them. You know, there could be large birds in the trees and it's Mm -hmm. just a, a genetic memory of needing to watch yourself or if you're standing outside and you sense a shadow passing over you. You know, that that's one of those senses that we have kind of innately, you know, we, you know, you can tell something's passing over you most mm-hmm. of the time. And usually it's, it's a large bird close to you, but not one that's going to attack you or it's a plane, mm-hmm. but your immediate instinct, look up. What is that? Right. You know, it's an instinctive.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so, now that we say yeah, we we've got a large a large bird that would attack humans. Let's get into what is possibly the the most famous story that is attributed to the Thunderbird. Oh yeah. Okay, so on July twenty fifth in nineteen seventy seven in Lawndale, Illinois, Marlon Lowe was ten years old and playing hide and seek in his yard with some friends. Suddenly he was attacked by a giant bird who, according to him, grasped him by the shirt with its talons, lifting him about a foot off the ground. Now, Marlon's mother, Ruth, saw the attack and ran out of the house screaming at the bird. It carried Marlin about 40 feet across the ground, not 40 feet up, about a foot off the ground for 40 feet. Right. That's a pretty long way.
0: That is a long way. And
1: then dropped him. Now, Ruth reported the attack to the local sheriff's department. And it was presumed that he had been attacked by a turkey vulture. But Ruth wasn't satisfied with that. So she began to do some additional research. Now, based on the jet black color, the white ring around its neck, and the wingspan, Ruth assumed that it was a California condor. Okay? Now, condors are endangered. Mm -hmm. California condors are. But some researchers believe that maybe this isn't exactly accurate. Not that that Marlin was not attacked and not that Ruth saw a large bird, but the presumption that it was a California condor um, doesn't make sense. And here's why. Dr. Mike Wallace is an expert in California condors. Now, he explains that California condors need thermals or vectors or updrafts created in canyons and mountains in order to take flight. It would be virtually impossible to see a California condor in flight over the plains of the Midwest. He feels the description, especially the white ring around the neck, matches the Andean condor, which is native to South America. And it is the largest known flying creature alive today. Now, the problem with any type of condor lifting a child or any other animal for that matter is highly unlikely because one condors lack the foot structure to have the grip strength to lift something of any significant weight. They just don't have claws made to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, secondly, secondly, Condors do not attack with their feet because they've got these little wussy feet, mm-hmm. so they don't attack with their feet.
0: They're, they're kind of like my wrist. Yeah, I got these, see, these little wimpy <laughs> these wrists. Little slender wrist, yeah. you know. He's wearing a women's watch for Christ's sake. I know, and that's loose.
1: <laughs> but much like hawks and eagles attack feet first, uh, condors, turkey vultures, you know those kind of those kind of birds. Um, they don't do that. OK, um, but even like I said earlier, a raptor attack on a human being is also highly unlikely. So, you know, Wallace is not saying that, you know, Marlon Lowe wasn't attacked by a bird. Right. He's just saying that most likely it was not a condor. Yeah, It's not what you think it is. That's right. <laughs> I don't think that means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah.
0: Glad you picked up that <laughs> reference. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but but um but so i mean if it's not a condor which i i mean i understand you know i i don't i don't much think it's a condor either no you know plus they're you know they're like i said california condors are endangered i mean they're not just flying around you know most most of the ones that are still running are in like you know nature preserves mm-hmm. you know are being researched and in in california and in California, <laughs> where there's <laughs> mountains and canyons and, right. and places where where a bird that size could take flight, right? But you know, and if if you if you've never seen a picture of an Andean condor, you know exactly what it looks like. It's it's the big giant bird that looks like it's wearing a fur coat.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it, it looks like uh, if you watch Game of Thrones, it looks like the night the Night's Watch. You know, they wear those big black feather jackets that's exactly what it looks like right you know except it's got a white collar so it's kind of like you know it it looks it looks real uh real professional it's a professional giant bird yeah right (laughs) but it's inside it's in uh south america Mm -hmm. so you know there's and it's not really all that migratory so there's very little chance that a south uh south american bird made it to illinois and, right. and was and was thriving. Right. You know,
0: enough to enough, pick <laughs> up a child. Yeah.
1: Enough to go, hey, look at that. You right. Know? It's a it's a kid. I'm going to eat it. Right. So, you know, all of that kind of goes into. If we're thinking, OK, we have evidence that that giant birds existed, which we do. Um, We have evidence that there were birds that attacked humans, which we do. Was there an actual Thunderbird that lived and either is living now or has a very closely related relative that Native Americans saw and gave these attributes to? Right. So we're going to discuss a little bit about if it's not a condor, if it's not an eagle, if it's not a hawk, what could it be? Right. So.
0: Since Matt's been talking about condors, let's run through some condor specs real quick. um, Specifications on the condor here. Now, Matt mentioned the California condor. Now, the California condor, it's about three to four and a half feet long, weighs about 15 and a half to 22 pounds, and it's about nine foot wingspan. So it's big, but it is the smaller of the condors because the Andean condor that Matt talked about, it's got about a four foot body, but it has a wingspan of up to 10 and a half feet, and it weighs up to 33 pounds. And like Matt said, the both of these condors need an updraft in order to be able to fly. And that's why they live in mountainous regions. Um, the wings are exceptionally long and broad so that they're able to soar without flapping much. Um, they do have the naked head, um, which is a lot like the vultures and stuff because they are a relative of the vultures.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know how you can tell these birds with like naked heads from like buzzards, buzzards. Buzzards wear like a, a derby hat and smoke a cigar.
0: So, I don't know what to say. I mean,
1: <laughs> if you ever watched Woody Woodpecker, you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: so, um, they uh, they do have the Andean Condors. I'm still <laughs> laughing. at The Andean Condors have... That distinctive white collar, uh, black feathers, but the distinctive white collar on the males. Um, So, the descriptions that have been given of the collared birds, it does seem like it might be a relative Mm -hmm. of these condors, but maybe not. Now, Matt mentioned prehistoric birds. Um, There were birds, a bird species that lived in North America called the Teratorns, and they were probably the largest North American bird of prey, and we know this because we found a large number of fossils and what's called subfossil bones, so just small pieces of fossils, and um, and, and they have been found in locations like California, Oregon, Southern Nevada, Arizona, and Florida. But a lot of them are found in the La Brea Tar Pits in California because, again, territorns were more of a scavenger. Right. They, these birds, they would hunt, but they would take the easy prey. Right. So they hunted out of necessity. Exactly. So they were found at the La Brea Tar Pits because they were scavenging off the other animals that had died in the tar pits. Now, there are several different types of Teratorns, and we are going to mispronounce these, so we'll apologize up front.
1: (laughs) I I didn't even put mine in the notes because I was like, (laughs) I'm going to mispronounce this.
0: So Teratornus mariami. Had a wingspan of around three and a half to 3.8 meters which is about 11 to 12 feet and it had an air, a wing area of 17 and a half square meters it standard a uh, it's standard standard it, man it's it done standed.
1: <laughs> it's catching uh, Adams caught it from me yeah
0: I, I caught the redneck from you um it stood about 30 inches tall. It was a little bit larger than the Andean condor, and it weighed up to about 33 pounds, um, which is about double the weight of an average California condor. Now, there's another Teratornus, the Teratornus woodburnensis. Now, this is one of the most prolific Teratorn species found at the La Brea tar pits, and um, and it was first found in 1999 but the estimates that they've gotten from the partial the the partial fossils that they have found estimates a wingspan of over 14 feet and these birds the teratornis woodburnensis lived about 12,000 years ago
1: so the the largest of these was uh was found in Argentina. It's uh it was a partial skeleton, uh estimated to have lived about six to eight million years ago. Now, in 1980, this skeleton was found, and researchers went and studied it, and they named it. <laughs> they named it Argentavis magnificens.
0: That was my nickname in college.
1: (laughs) I bet it was. (laughs) So anyway, this particular specimen would have stood between five to six feet tall and weighed approximately 160 pounds, and some estimates rank it as large as 200 pounds. Its wingspan is estimated at anywhere from 20 to 26 feet it had a large hooked beak much like the modern day relatives the turkey vulture the black vulture and the condor so
0: that sounds like a man eater right there i
1: mean that that would be enormous Mm -hmm. i mean you know you're just you're making estimates based on a skeleton but i mean you know when you're looking at bone structure and and just the size of of what the skeleton is you can extrapolate how much bigger the bird was that it was able to support. Right. I mean, a two hundred pound bird? Yeah. Now, we're talking about big bird now. Yeah. I mean, you know, literally, you know the I watched uh I watched a video of um of the man that, that went down there to identify it and, and gave it the name, and he said, This bird would have stood on the ground and been able to look me in the eye.
0: Mm-hmm. Seriously, and this is a flighted bird. This a is not a flighted bird. Yeah, a flightless like an ostrich yeah, kind of bird. Yeah,
1: this isn't like an emperor penguin no. marching around. This is a bird that was in the sky.
0: Yep. And we were talking about, uh, you know, that that genetic fear, that genetic memory that we have. Well, you say, well, how do we have that fear if these things were prehistoric? If they lived so long ago? Well, there are a lot of these teratorn fossils that were found along with signs of habitation of early man. So archaeologists have found habitation sites where they knew people congregated and lived, and they have found fossils of these teratorns that were there that showed that early man not only lived alongside of these animals, but also killed them. Now, Why would you kill a pteratorn? Because, like Matt and I were talking before this, if you've got other prey that's easier to get in front of you, that's not a big old dang bird that's flying up in the sky, why would you kill it? Either out of fear or out of retribution Mm -hmm. for something it's done.
1: Yeah, because if I've got a spear to get dinner, a, a big bird is the last thing on the list that i'm hunting for
0: right right because i mean you clip it and well there goes your spear <laughs> that's right. you know and the
1: bird's flying away
0: yeah there goes my supper yeah so you gotta know what you're doing to hunt one of these things or right. be scared for your life
1: yeah that's right now
0: we we talked about really old birds like the the great granddaddy birds yeah um talk about some new birds let's talk about new birds now we've got a list of some the 10 largest migratory birds in north america so we'll go through these and kind of see if y'all think any of these might fit what these people are seeing now the first one matt mentioned earlier is the great blue heron it has an average wingspan Of 1.78 meters or 5.8 feet. Now, its flight path is they usually live in southern Canada, uh, from the Maritimes to Alberta and along coastal British Columbia. In the winter, populations retreat from the northern edge of their breeding range and they may fly as far south as the Caribbean. Could any of these sightings be a blue heron? I don't think so, but. Uh I mean, that, that's a small, you know, if you've seen a blue heron, yeah, it's got big wings, long wings, but it's a small bird.
1: Yeah. Long wings, long beak, Mm -hmm. you know, but it, it's not a, it's not really a hooked beak and it's not really something to be afraid of. No, I mean, it just, it, it. They're not aggressive birds.
0: No, they eat small <laughs> they, fish. They eat fish.
1: <laughs> you know, it might as well be a dude in waders and a hat. Exactly. They, I mean, that's exactly. essentially what they are.
0: And and when it flies, you can see its long legs trailing uh-huh. out behind it. So uh-huh. it it's a very distinctive uh shadow. Yeah. That it it creates. Um. So a lot of these Matt has already mentioned, but the turkey vultures. Now, turkey vultures have an average wingspan of 1.82 meters or 5.9 feet. Now, their flight path, they breed throughout North and South America, but they fly south in the winter, some traveling as far as Texas through South America. So not a lot of turkey vultures up north. You know, vultures, obviously, but not a lot of these turkey vultures up north. So... A lot of the northern sightings of a uh, thunderbird would probably not be a turkey vulture.
1: Yeah, and and we've got turkey vultures around here. Mm-hmm. And you know, Adam and I were talking. We we've, we've both seen them up close. I mean, you you can't miss them. You know, you got some roadkill. You see a big black bird.
0: With a you know, bright or, red or, head.
1: More than one usually. They're mm-hmm. not. They're not. They don't fly around by themselves. No. Um. You know, they're they're standing out there. You know, having a like a cookout right i mean and they and they look up at you like what's your problem yeah you know who
0: who invited you you leave my raccoon alone that's
1: right stay away and i don't i've I've, i think i've told this story on the show before but there was a halloween i was working and this is years ago i was up kind of in the country and coming around a corner and there's this huge dead tree, and it is absolutely full of turkey vultures. I mean, there must have been thirty. Wow, just all sitting there on Halloween. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to see these big, huge black birds to this tree, this yeah. dead tree, and I'm like, ah, man, crap. that's creepy. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> well, they were waiting for me but, to pick me dry.
1: But they are, they are big birds, and and if you if you just caught glimpse of one flying over you. And if it was low enough, I
0: mean, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I mean, it would look a lot bigger than it is, especially if you didn't really, I mean, if you just glanced up and were like, oh, man, that's a giant bird.
0: Yep. For if, southern sightings, sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be mistaken for something much, much larger.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, now, the Golden Eagle. Now, the Golden Eagle has a wingspan of 1.98 meters or six and a half feet. So it's got a wingspan... Uh, wider than I am tall. Now, it's flight path. The golden eagle breeds throughout most of Canada, but primarily the west, the western United States, and northern Mexico. In the winter, populations in southern Alaska and Canada migrate to Mexico, the Gulf Coast, and Florida. So, they do migrate a long way, and they are a big bird. Mm Mm-hmm. So these are ones that I could, I could see. If you see one flying up above you, this one would definitely make you think it was a lot larger than it was.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Um, now, the bald eagle, and we just keep getting bigger. The wingspan is about 2.03 meters or 6.6 feet. The bald eagle breeds across Canada and the United States. Their wintering grounds include areas on the Pacific and Atlantic coast, although many birds may stay near the nesting sites year-round. So we're treading the territory of the legend now, that this is a big old eagle, 6.6 foot wingspan. And if you've ever seen a bald eagle in person, you know how big these things are. Mm -hmm. They are, they are big birds. So again, very easily could be mistaken. If you see one in shadow up above you.
1: And you know, we can't rule out the idea of, you know, a natural aberration, you know? I mean, you, you look and there's, there's giant people. I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, there's people that are naturally much larger. I mean, I've, I've seen Shaquille O'Neal and Patrick Ewing in person. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, if these guys decide they're just going to start wiping people out, I hope somebody's got a gun because we're not going to be able to stop them. Right. Because they're so they big. They're huge, yeah. and And they're just naturally tall. I mean, we're not even talking about somebody that has, you know, a genetic condition like gigantism or something. Right. You know, so if it occurs in humans... It could possibly occur in animals. Absolutely, and so you know a genetic mutation occurs, and the next thing you know, this this six six and a half foot wingspan of a bald eagle, you know, becomes more like ten feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, an eagle that's that much larger has that much more body, that much more weight, that much more height. If if it's you know witnessed, you know, in a tree. You know, or on a perch of some type. So, you you again you you see a, a lone bird that is far larger than what you're used to seeing. You know, it, as I as I said I said to Adam earlier, it, something like that begets stories. Mm-hmm. You know, you you see something that is it doesn't fit into what your your brain is used to seeing. Right. And it brings about stories. Why is this like this? It must be special. You know, there must be something very unique about it. You know, either it's um you know, it's magical or it's you know, preternatural, you know, something. You know, it 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 just it, it makes you makes you believe that there is something that is not the norm you know it's 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 so out of the ordinary that it it prompts you to begin to try to explain it and that's where some of these legends come from
0: right um so as we grow up the scale here the sandhill crane and we've talked about the sandhill crane before in our flatwoods monster episode and everything it is a big bird it has a wingspan of 6.6 feet and They migrate through central and southern parts of the United States as well as Mexico. But again, it's a crane, so it's going to be has a different body shape. Uh, Most Thunderbird sightings have kind of a raptor body shape, which would be an eagle or a hawk, and they don't drag their feet behind them like a crane would Mm. during flight. Um, Now, the Tundra Swan has a wingspan of seven feet. So this tundra swan, uh, they migrate in large flocks from their nesting ground in the Arctic to wintering areas along the east and west coasts of North America. So we don't see it that often here, and they're going to fly in flocks. So you wouldn't normally see just one of these seven-foot wingspan birds in the sky. So most likely, probably not a tundra swan. Now, the whooping crane has a 7.4-foot wingspan.
1: And it'll put a whooping on you.
0: Yeah, right. A whooping (laughs)
1: crane.
0: I'll open a can of whooping crane on you, boy. Um, Now, this is the world's largest remaining natural migratory flock. Um, They nest and they raise their young in the Wood Buffalo National Park. Um, so it's a World Heritage Site on the border of Alberta and the Northwest Territories. So these are big old birds, but they're up north, and they don't really, uh, you know, they don't really come down into southern America. They'll they'll make a a flight down into Texas, but again, it's a migratory flock so you're not going to see one by itself less maybe it's you know took a wrong turn at albuquerque <laughs> and it's lost but i you know you, i i doubt it yeah i doubt it yeah. um the trumpeter swan 7.9 foot wingspan but again it's a swan got a big neck you're not going to mistake I mean, it for a bird of prey right um and then the american white pelican a wingspan of 8.8 feet. So this is one of the largest birds aside from the condor here in North America. And you may see it by itself, but you're going to know a pelican.
1: Yeah. You know? And you're probably not going to see a pelican in Illinois.
0: Probably not. Um, so out of those, top 10 largest migratory birds some of them the raptors could be mistaken for thunderbirds mm-hmm. but you know i i don't know i i'm we always try to at this point in the show say what we think and i mean aside from there being, like you said, naturally occurring giants of a known species. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on there being a bird that we don't know about that is that large that could be classified as the thunderbird. Yeah, I agree. Um, but as always, What do you guys think? Yeah. Do you think there legitimately is a giant Thunderbird out there? Do you think it was just made up? Do you think it was memories of the Teratorns that found their way into legend and myth and that we kind of still think about today? Or is it just, like Matt and I think, probably the one-off big ol' eagle? Yeah you know big dang eagle as we That's say right.
1: <laughs> mighty eagle <laughs> yeah so we've hope you've enjoyed uh, graveyard tales autobahn edition right <laughs> you probably know more about big birds than you ever thought you would um but it's it's interesting and it does make you make you think about what some of these these legends and stories um could have really been and you know could could birds of that size still be around today and you know i kind of think that it's possible that there's there's a large bird i don't think it's a species that we don't know about right right I, i mean like i said at the beginning of the show i would i will buy into there possibly being something under the water that we have yet to discover we're not finding new species of birds of any size routinely. Yep. You know, we we, we do find them, but not giant ones.
0: No, and, not, and not it, 20-foot wingspan birds. And the
1: chances that we're going to find one in North America, y- even smaller than mm-hmm. that. You know, the one new birds that are found are usually found on, you know, remote islands. Right. So, but uh, but let us know what you think. So, as always... Please go check out our website, graveyardpodcast.com. And on our website, you can listen to the show. You can find links to purchase our merchandise and you can become a patron. And again, thank you to everyone that, uh, that has donated to the show. Yes. Thank Um, you. You know, we've got, we've got even more, uh, Patreon content coming your way, uh, between now and the end of the year. Um, Please go on iTunes, rate and review us. Uh, that is how more people can find us and get into the graveyard. And please, um, we we have sponsors now who uh, who, who gratefully uh, are supporting the show. Go check those guys out. Um, we we don't we don't sit here and try to make you guys listen to commercials just for the sake of making you listen to commercials. You know, these are companies that have approached us that uh, we enjoy and we use and we think our listeners will uh, use and enjoy. And so go check them out. Let them know that you heard about uh, you heard about them from the graveyard. So I uh, hope everyone has a good night. And the next show is going to be our christmas ghost story show so we're we're really looking forward to it that's going to be the last show of the year for us Mm -hmm. so um so tune in for that it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be real relaxed and uh may uh, make adam drink some holiday custard (laughs) (laughs) but anyway uh until that time uh we will save you a seat in the graveyard
0: see you soon